Blog Talk Radio. Up to 200,000 plus listeners. 
That's 200 countries and 200,000 plus listeners. You can't buy that kind of loyalty. And I want to thank each and every one of you for making this show what it is. It's not my show. It's your show. I just facilitate it. Y'all have stuck with me through thick and thin, and we're headed into our third year, and I appreciate each and every one of you so, so very much. There's two ways to get on this show. One, you come on as a guest, whether you have a book, a painting, music, a platform, a political opinion, you name it, we'll talk about it. That's what this show is about. That's why we call it Off the Chain. Or you can become a sponsor for the show, and I will run your ad for 30 days for $10. No matter how many shows I do in that month, I will run your ad for that show. If for some reason I have to reschedule the show, the ad will follow the show, so you will not lose out there. Contact me at offthechainradio at yahoo.com or contact me on my Facebook page and tell me which way you want to go. With that being said... As you all know, Diane Moat's been on the show several, several times. Well, she has a series of books out, and it's called the Sam Holden Series, and she is our favorite vigilante. The third book in the series, Dog Bones, talks about Sam's quest to avenge abused animals if threatened when the FBI comes after her on one side and the commissioner wants her dead on the other. Will her double life be exposed? Will Sam be able to protect the animals, her friends, and herself? Check out Dog Bones by Diane Moat everywhere ebooks are sold. And if you haven't started the series yet, begin the series with Dog Gone by Diane Moat. Check it out on Amazon. Traveler Pelton, y'all have heard her on this show many times. It's one amazing woman. She says, hello from Traveler, Merry Christmas. We just published To Protect One's Own. It's book seven of the Oberlin Chronicles, which takes the family into the immediate future with all the action, political intrigue, and hard science fiction that her fans have come to expect from Traveler's Tales. Noah, Violet, Kai, Daniel, Gabriel, and Katrina and their families attempt to get ready to appear before the Joint Congressional Committee to testify and sort out the damage caused by the Brotherhood. Violet's old nemesis, Obsidian, shows up and suddenly, just driving to Washington, requires a military escort. While back at home at the retreat center, Bravo Company has gone completely insane and tries to kidnap the Oberlin children. How do you protect your family when the world has gone mad and it has lost its heart, mind, and soul? It's a page-turner for sure and just a thing for long winter nights. Oh, and by the way, in celebration of their newest title, To Protect One's Own, they're running a price-down countout countdown on three of their most popular books. We have already passed December 8th and December 15th, so starting December the 23rd, which is just in time for each of you to gift yourself for Christmas, you can download their newest book to protect one's own for 99 cents, going up to $1.99 three days later, and then the regular price of $2.99 at the end of the week. It's time to reward yourself for being good for Amazon, see their books. They make grand Christmas gifts for anyone who loves to read, and that includes each of you. Time to gift you, and remember, do a random act of kindness every day. And if you buy a paperback, a copy for a friend, you can download a copy for yourself for 99 cents, and both of you will have a great time. God bless, and may your travels begin. And with that, we are going to begin our travel for this hour, and as y'all all know, the hour goes by so, so fast. Tonight, we have a first-time guest, so she's not a first-time author. It's the first time that she has been on the show with us, and she is from my home state of Georgia, and y'all all know I love talking to my, my peeps from Georgia. It's like going home again. Author Lee St. John started writing publicly in 1970 for her hometown paper by delivering the school news events from the only high school in the county. It's a small, it was a small county. It's grown like crazy since then. Then majoring in public relations slash journalism in college, Lee again wrote for the newspaper during her summer breaks. After she married and stayed home with her children, she was asked to write a part-time society column. Impressed by her writing skills, her publisher mentioned to her that one day she should write a book. 
and Lee took her publisher seriously. She wrote, She's a Keeper, Cockamamie Memoirs from a Hot Southern Mess. And, and ladies and gentlemen, most of us women from the South, where we are hot Southern messes because we just are. This is not Lee's first attempt publishing a book. Her self-published book is entitled She's a Keeper, Funny Teacher Stories from Real Southern Classrooms. With the stigma now removed for independent publishing, Lee began publishing her own material two years ago, and a conventional publisher found her marketing her book and reached out. Before staying abreast of marketing, website, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, speaking engagements, radio and newspaper, et cetera, et cetera. Using a cover editing a lot, pricing, distributing, and just finding time to write, that took up all of her time, and I know exactly where she's coming from. Now, traditional publishers supporting her, and although she is still involved in decision-making and legwork, there are others doing the same to help her so she can spend more time with her humor writing. And ladies and gentlemen, this is one funny woman. A Georgia peach, Lee St. John, has been married to her southern gentleman for 35 years. They have two millennial sons nicknamed the heir and despair, and a tater-tot-looking white schnauzer named Obi, probably for Obi-Wan Kenobi. Welcome, Lee. Thank you for coming on the show tonight. Well, thank you so much for having me out down here in Georgia. We're having some terrible storms. What about you? Well, we are too. So if we get knocked off, we'll just reschedule you because I almost, I almost considered rescheduling it because we've had winds up to 60 miles an hour and we have tornado watches and warnings which is rare for us but what happens it gets like in georgia it gets really really hot and humid and then the cold air pushes through and you know what happens when those two meet up it becomes a mess that's right we've had things like that happen too really really freaky though isn't it it is well and i i grew up a tornado so tornadoes don't scare me because I know what to do and I've been in a couple of them but people down here because they deal with hurricanes and say well we'd rather be in a hurricane than a tornado they kind of freak out and go oh what are we going to do well you find an interior wall and you hide in a closet and you pray a lot (laughs) that's right you hunker down you just hunker down get away from it Uh, either that or you hope you don't wind up in the land of Oz Well, thank you so much for having me tonight. I appreciate you, you know, having me on here before Christmas. Are you getting ready, your house decorated? And now I just put up a, a, cre- a tree under protest and threw some presents under and said, here it is, take it or leave it. <laughs> That's right. Christmas was my husband's thing. Christmas has never been my thing. Halloween is my thing. I have a permanent display oh. in my living room for Halloween. Oh, I, I love Halloween too, but lately it seems like I've, I don't know, I've had the energy to kind of do all out like I used to do. So lately I have been putting out just crime scene tape in the front of my yard so that it just <laughs> deters the kids from coming up and ringing the doorbell. I love it. I turn off all the lights. I turn off all the lights. Put, I mean, I have that crime scene, crime scene tape up, turn off all the lights. But here in Noonan, we have so many movie sets set up here in the county that they just probably think it's just another movie set doing a, you know, some kind of shoot. So they come anyway. Well, no, they hadn't, I guess. <laughs> I'm just thinking they think that. No, no, they, I, I got them to quit coming. <laughs> that is too, I love it. I may have to try that. Now, here lately, I've been leaving home, so they, I'm not here anyway. So if they ring the doorbell, well, it doesn't happen. <laughs> Well, that's how it started. We were away lately being at uh, football games on a weekend. It's always, you know, they trick-or-treat around Saturday nights, if it was that particular weekend. And so I just couldn't get back fast enough to be there to answer the door. So I just, you know, just shoot them off by using that crime scene. Now, people say, (laughs) where'd you get that crime scene tape? And it's really not crime scene. I think it's really more like do not crawl. And you can buy it anywhere, like Home Home Depot or something, you know, anyway. Because people use it all the time when they're doing, like, repairs on their driveway or they have a, a sinkhole in their yard. You buy that yellow tape. It's like a caution tape. And it but comes it, in red, too. Yes, it does. <laughs> now, you can really so you can choose your them. color, yellow or red. <laughs> 
you could really scare them awfully if you um, put some corpses out in the front yard, half in the ground. <laughs> well, I did. I had this. I had a little embankment in my front yard a few years ago, about ten years ago, and I had the most interesting and creative headstones and some skeletons popping out of the ground. And the headstones came from a book called uh, something about Tombstone Humor, and I took them and made my own headstones. So it wasn't something that was just bought in the same old, same old of those headstones. And somebody stole them all, so I just quit doing uh-uh. that too. I think that's when the idea came to start putting out the crime scene tapes. <laughs> Maybe that scared them off. Maybe they figured they would become a statistic. Well, I know that it scared me off. I tried to put more expensive stuff out there and then to be gone the next morning. So now that we know that that Lee likes Halloween and a little bit of Christmas, (laughs) tell me about Lee. How in the world did you get interested in writing for the newspaper, in in the high school, well, I, I wrote for our newspaper too. I also put our our newspaper and our yearbook together. I was the editor for both of them. But what brought that on for you? Well, they had a student to represent the high school. Again, it was the one high school. Now, I did not grow up in Noonan. I grew up in Rockdale County, over on on the east side. We held the Olympics one year. Uh, the equestrian Olympics that year. And so um, it was in Rockdale County, Rockdale Citizen, and one high school, Rockdale County High School. And the publisher always had one student to bring in news from the high school to his newspaper, obviously, to sell more papers. We know why you do that. So the parents will see their names and their children's names in the paper. So um, I applied, and I got the job and did it my senior year, only my senior year. It was always seniors. And so I did that, and I just think I wrote so much that he said to me, you just need to, um, you know, finish. We're going to have to cut some, of this, cut some of this information. You just need to write a book one day. So I always kept that in the back of my mind. Now, I did not know that it was going to be a book of humor. Over time, I just collected a lot of humor and played a lot of tricks, I might add, to own people, and my parents were funny, so I got some of that from them. And so I um, just applied all that in my head that when I went to cocktail parties and, you know, and we would drink it and I'd tell these funny stories from years past, they would all just laugh and laugh. Now, I'm sure the liquor helped, but they just <laughs> laugh and laugh. And I thought, okay, I'm going to write these down, and I did. So because I'd always written essays for the newspaper, I, it's just it was just my style just to write a you know, 600, 650-word essay from then on. So that's what the book is. It's, it's just little essays of memoirs of funny, mostly funny, uh, stories that I either um, instigated or, or part, my friends and I were a part of. Well, I'm going to give you a little bit of trivia. When the Olympics came to Atlanta, my mother had always said that she wanted to go to the opening ceremonies or the closing ceremonies if the Olympics ever came. Well, I got tickets, but it wasn't to either one of those. I was given a pair of tickets to go to Rockdale County to the equestrian event. So I Uh take the tickets to my mother and I said, Mother, I know you always wanted to go to the opening or closing ceremonies. Would you settle to go to an equestrian event? And I want you to know she snatched up those tickets and I haven't seen them since. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, Prince Charles came to check it out. Or Let's see, who was it? Maybe it was his sister Anne or both of them came since they were such horse lovers and so they have been to Rockdale County when they were looking at that as a venue I guess to get the approval of whatever kind of international committee they were on. I did not know that. Oh yeah, I'm a real Anglophile too. <laughs> Hence the air <laughs> and the fair. I love that. And I have to tell you, I have to tell you, I, I'm going to give you another secret. My name is not really Lee St. John. That's a pseudonym. <laughs> I know, but tell oh, the you know, folks. Oh, you know, okay. Yeah, I I, okay. I I saw that one. But tell the folks how you came upon that because I think that is okay. hysterical. Well, that's right. That's why I wanted to say it since we were talking about the air and spell. I thought I'd just uh, 
add on this little ditty here. And that has to do with the fact that I have two millennial sons. They are 33 and 25. They are not married. They do not have children. And so, therefore, they're doing their little millennial things, which is whatever they do. And well, one thing is, you know, they never answer the phone. I don't get me started on that. They always text. Okay, so the other thing is, is that I don't have this life of being a grandmother. That's why I started writing, too. But I said, you know what? I'm going to be writing stories about the family and, and all of us, and, and don't you want to hear my stories? And so my boys would say, why would we want to hear anything about those stories? We lived it. So <laughs> they didn't want to hear it again. So I thought, well, you know what? I'm just going to get their attention by slapping their names on the front cover. And those boys' names are Lee, L-E-E, and John. And I must be a saint for having raised those two. Love it. I absolutely love it. You know, it's called it's called payback. Exactly. <laughs> and 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 it, revenge is best served on a plate oh. cold, and you served it totally frozen. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I, you know, that's exactly what it was. It was like, huh? You don't want to be a part of this journey with me? Well, I'll show you. You're gonna be. That is too funny. I, it's it's tough the, living with boys. I know I have some. Uh-huh. And I, I don't I, I I don't know what got into my head to have boys. Well, between Jack and I we have six children. We have three boys and three girls. And the girls are actually harder to deal with than the boys are. Well, I'm sure that's true. I've heard that. You know, they're different, and you worry about them more, than, I guess, than boys' behaviors and stuff. But, um, you know, boys don't give a hoot sometimes. They're not paying attention no. to No, they're doing their own thing. <laughs> when my mother died, I was, as an only child, this is probably where I get some of my imagination. I had to learn to play by myself. So I would, I took all her stuff and had to purge all her home and everything. And as I was doing it by myself, and I thought, you know, my boys wouldn't know the first thing of what to save and what to throw. So I, when we moved here to Noonan from Rockdale, I did all that. I'm an enabler as well. That's not a good thing. And so I purged <laughs> all the stuff that I thought that only I needed to keep. Well, we are moving again, um, as a matter of fact, next week. Isn't that a bad time uh, to be doing it around Christmas? Oh, my word. Yeah. Tell me. So um, as we're purging again, which makes you purge because when you, when you do move, you do get rid of things. And so this time around, if it's not in the new house, I mean, if it is in the new house, it's to, it's important because I, they won't know to, whether to toss it or keep it. And if they find it in this new house now, it's supposed to be there. And it's supposed to be something they need to do something with. And they'll look at it and go, well, we don't know what we're supposed to do with this. <laughs> well, at least they'll have two thoughts. I mean, at least it will pop. They'll pause, okay? Maybe they That's won't. True. Maybe they will toss it, but at least they'll pause before they do. That that is true. That is very I'm a pet true. For some reason, I wonder what this is all about. Uh huh. I wish we could ask her. You know that sort of thing. Mhm. And that was another reason I did a lot of the writing as an only child. I'm the keeper. Off my parents' stories and my stories, and since they're not listening, I thought I'd better write them down. Because one day, <laughs> when I'm gone, or either senile, they're going to wish they could talk to me and ask me the mm-hmm. questions that we always wish we could get from our mothers and parents. And so um, I'm trying to get them down before I can't remember them or I'm not here. And when they're my age, or maybe a few decades younger, when they start to care, they'll say, I sure do wish I had my mama to talk to. Well, guess what? It's in a book. It's in a book. Sit down and read it. Uh-huh. This is how funny I Mama am... was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or crazy. But, <laughs> but, Lee, don't, because you are from, from the deep south like I am, wouldn't it be fair to say that we as southern women have our own brand of humor, even in in times of sadness and turmoil, we find something to laugh about. We have to because most of us are st- so strong. If we don't, we we crack all the pieces. But we ha- we can laugh at the strangest things. I had now. Here's a strange one for you because this is going to show you how really we Southern girls were raised. 
to always look after other people and, you know, always bring food and whether it was through the church or whether it was just, you know, families, whatever we did. But now this is a terrible thing to, to bring up, but I'm bringing it up anyway. We're off the chain. Am I right? Exactly. So, okay. So I had this elderly couple family, um, a second cousin, uh, first cousin to my mother. So they were second cousins to me and they did not have any children. It was the most gracious couple and genteel and just southern just dripping in etiquette and manners and they were kidnapped and put in the trunk of their own car by somebody that worked in their yard out of goodness of their heart they hired this person he kidnapped and put him in the trunk of the car and rode him around conyers for i don't know a couple of hours now they didn't deserve that scared the wits out of them so but they he let them go i mean i think some of the people that he showed them off to when he stopped <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, this is the thing you got. You, you got to laugh about this. But anyway, so he showed them off to people and told them that he had these people in the trunk. His friends were all saying, "You get them out of there! Don't you get involved in that?" So he he let them go, and so here they're all traumatized. And what's the first word out of my mouth? I said, "What do you do? What kind of food do you bring to kidnap that victim?" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we know what to do. We know what to do with death. We know what to do with um, marriage and babies, you know, but we've never been involved with the kidnapping. And I didn't know how I was supposed to. Well, do I bring a salad? Well, you know, do I bring macaroni salad or do I do potato salad? I mean, which one designates a more uh, hierarchy in um, food order? I mean, you want comfort food when you have babies and deaths. But what do you give when you have a kidnapping? I didn't know, so I, I mean, everybody turned and looked at me, and I thought, well, you know. <laughs> Potato it's salad and chicken and egg. That's funny. So, see, that's the, sub, that's the southern in me, to want to look after them and take care of them. And also go by what's right, but I didn't know what was right, so I just blurted it out. Now, that's another southern thing that some... some I, well, not everybody. I, I just kind of say, well, nobody's thinking that, first of all. But I do say it all, no matter what it is. Nobody would think. What do you give kidnap victims? What kind of food? Chicken? Fried chicken? What do we give them? I don't know. And and, and, and I'm sure your aunt and your cousins, once, they, once you told them, they probably thought it was the funniest thing they ever heard. Because it's no. the dynamic of the way we're raised. There, there's a food, there's a comfort food for every occasion. So now we got to add kidnap victims to that list. <laughs> I know it. And, and another thing that I've done that's really awful too. I mean, see, this is the thing that I, like are in my books, stories like this that just come out of my mouth, and because my brain works backwards. But I walked one time into a man's restroom instead of the female restroom at a party. I mean, I was sort of like inebriated, I guess you might say. So I walked into the men's restroom instead of the female restroom, and I, of course, what did I see? A man standing there taking a piss. And, I mean, I just said, oh, oh, excuse me. He turned and looked at me. Well, now, who's the most embarrassed person? It would have been him, right? But instead, so so my thinking is that that to make him feel better about being put upon by someone walking in on him taking a piss, I thought I'd better give him a compliment. <laughs> so I told him, oh, excuse me. Oh, and by the way, you're looking pretty big there, too. I don't know why I said that. I felt like, I felt like he was embarrassed. And so I was trying to keep him from being uncomfortable. So I threw him a compliment. Now, isn't that not a southern thing, too? It is a southern thing. Trying to make somebody else feel better. Instead of, you know, me, I was the one that was like, uh-oh. And so I was trying to make him feel, he didn't care. He didn't care. And he, but he probably loved that compliment. And by the way, it really wasn't. But, you know, I just thought I'd tell him that. He did that, that poor thing. Oh, me. Ladies and gentlemen, this is, as you know, off the chain with your, I'm your host, Yvonne Mason. With my guest, the wonderful, funny, funny, funny author, Jill St. John. We are going to take a quick break and pay some bills and collect ourselves so that we can do the second half without um, any liquid accidents. We will return momentarily. 
<laughs> Best-selling and award-winning author of true crime and crime fiction, Yvonne Mason is back with a brand new book, The Pink Canary, a book that delves into the life of a drag queen and a marvelous whodunit. You can find this and all of Yvonne's other works on Amazon.com or find Yvonne Mason on Facebook and Twitter. You're going to kill me. Buy your copy of Pink Canary now. Do you have cougars on your porch swing? Are horses your new best friend? Do your nicest shoes get buried knee-deep in snow as your toes turn blue? Are you bothered by wolves at your woodpile? No, not that kind of wolf. Join wildlife artist and author Nancy Quinn and her family as they discover an exciting new life in Go West, Young Woman, a true Montana adventure. Available online and in bookstores. Or visit quinnwildlifeart.com for a personalized signed copy. Critics agree. It's a hoot. This is Jade. And this is Winona. Wow, it's been a busy summer. Yes, we have new books. I think we have a new audio book. And I thought the voice was bad with other life lessons. Why is that title such a mouthful? I don't know, but you can hear that mouthful on Audible and on iTunes now. And that will take you through Life Changes, the highs and lows of it through pop poetry and the literary life guys. So remember to check us out. And no, I don't mean a once over. But then my narcissism said, well, maybe check me out once. And then look at the rest of the website at andwethought.com. <laughs> you can check out the podcast and the YouTube channel and everything that we're doing on that website, andwethought.com, just in case you didn't get it the first time. Oh, my goodness. So we're going to say bye from Winona and Jade and our website. Okay, is this going to be like a running gag? Yup. Andwethought.com. Bye-bye. Germany, 1938. Charlotte, a young girl of 15, wanders into Georg's cobbler's shop to have her shoes repaired. Georg, enamored by Charlotte's charm and grace, decides then and there that he's going to marry her. But they must keep their love a secret from family, friends, and, most importantly, the Nazis. Follow along as Georg's pursuit of the young Charlotte results in the couple traveling a heart-stopping, winding route to stay one step ahead of the Gestapo in their escape from Nazi Germany, with a surprising twist along the way. If you like history and romance, don't miss Good Things Always Happen in Springtime by Joanne Fisher, available at www.joannesbooks.com. Juliana is a middle-aged housewife in Toronto with a career, a husband, that has little interest in her well-being, and three children. In the evenings, she gets on her computer and chats with people around the world. When she gets involved with Aaron and Bobby, her life becomes a pinball, bouncing around her husband, her job, her children, and her two online friends. She's bewitched by the romantic poetry of Aaron. But the honesty and kindness of Bobby bring her all the way to California. Watch for the ironic twist of fate that takes her in a direction she never expected. If you like spicy romances, don't miss With All of Me by Joanne Fisher. Available at www.joannesbooks.com Fiore is a young Italian woman engaged to be married but her plans are interrupted by a charismatic Sebastian, a handsome middle-aged Spanish businessman. Her beauty strikes him like a thunderbolt sent by the goddess Venus herself. When she's given a peculiar gift, a Spanish doll, she's thrown into a whirlwind of entangled passion, money, secrets, and love. Their romance sparks in a charming little Italian town located on the southern part of Lake Garda in northern Italy and takes them around the globe. What happens when her life is suddenly shattered by a lifelong secret? Her Spanish doll will bring you to a caliente Spain and a romantic Italy, adding some spice along the way. Available at www.joannesbooks.com. And 
to We Are Back. This is Off the Chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, with my guest, author Lee St. John. And I think we have collected ourselves for at least the next 30 seconds. Lee, (laughs) (laughs) I was just reading something that just absolutely, I have to read it because I I can't let it go by. Ladies and gentlemen, it says, Lee St. John is an unapologetic rogue Southern belle. Now, that entire phrase within itself is like an oxymoron. A hijinks expert and mayhem confessor with all the cotillion classes and etiquette lessons you'd think she'd know how to better behave. See why I said it was an oxymoron? Yet, she's merciless when she speaks her mind, ratting out former presidents of the United States, the Mafia, and Augusta Masters winner, which is a sacrilege, a Super Bowl (laughs) champion quarterback, famous personalities, dead people, and everyone else she knows, including her family. To Lee, everyone is fair game because she also rats out herself, as y'all have just been a witness to. As a storyteller, she's been compared to family funny woman Irma Bumbach, one of my favorites, yet with an edge, Southern humorous Louis Grizzard, who I adored, but with a PG-13 rated twist, genuine tell-all Ollie Wentworth, fearlessly describing her secrets in any frisky Seinfeld TV episode, especially when George is involved. Betcha thought it was Elaine. Her first real job, of course, was after college was with a national advertising agency. Can y'all imagine Lee with an advertising agency? Later attending graduate school in English education, she taught every grade but first grade. What I want to know is um, why were you writing out? Now, now, ladies and gentlemen, you have to understand, uh, the Augusta Masters is the um, cream of the crop of all golf tournaments for the PGA. This is where the best of the best go. And you outed an Augusta Masters champion? Well, I didn't out him there. I outed him out at Hilton Head. But still, he ended up winning the Masters, what, a couple of times. But Uh when I knew Ben Crenshaw, and I'll go ahead and tell you who it is. It's Ben Crenshaw. And when I met him originally, we were in Hilton Head, my dad and I, were asked to join as a twosome with another twosome for the golf round we were going to play there. And we said, sure, they like for you to go in foursome because you move faster than twosomes. It slows down the play. So we right. went with the foursome and this other man and his son. Well, this young man was from the University of Texas, and he had this mop of blonde hair, and he was a really good golfer, and he was going to turn pro the next year. So my father said, and I wasn't paying attention, I'll tell you why in a minute. This is part of the ratting out. So anyway, um, my father said, I'm going to remember this young man's name because he's going to turn pro. We can maybe say one day we play golf with him, and that's true. We played golf with Ben Crenshaw. Now, the reason I was not paying attention to this Ben Crenshaw at the time was that he was fat and round like the Pillsbury Doughboy. (laughs) And I just didn't have any kind of affection for him because he just wasn't, he was aloof and full of himself. And I'm sure he was trying to concentrate on the ball, maybe not me, which I was, you know, very surprised he wasn't. So anyway, I was just, you know, taken aback, but, you know, when I ran into him, it, it, again, back at Hilton Head again, years later, at the um, Classic, um, I saw, do you want me to finish telling this story? Absolutely. Okay. I well, love so, it. <laughs> I went for years saying, you know, I play golf for Ben Crenshaw, I play golf, and he's not the Ben Crenshaw we knew later when he was svelte and, you know, and cute and, 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 and all the girls were following him and, and you know, when I knew him, like I said, he was he was a little chubbette. So anyway, <laughs> there we were. My girlfriends and I were following golfers because we were really groupies. All my other girlfriends were going to the beach for spring break as teachers when spring break came around in the school year. They'd head to the beach. Oh, no, I got a group of them. We'd go to Hilton Head and follow the, the cute golfers. They were just precious. So anyway. We ran into, uh, we got lost from each other. The girls and I got lost. Now, this is in the 80s, I forgot, no 70s. And we didn't have cell phones. 
So, you know, it's not like we could just pick up a phone and say, what hole are y'all, where are you, or whatever. And, again, this has to do with a little bit of uh, drinking. As you know, in the 1970s, we did a lot of that. And so I lost them, they lost me. And the next thing I see is this this uh, group of people walking toward me, and I saw a familiar face, and it was Ben Crenshaw. So I, I don't know what made me say it. I guess it's just being Lee St. John, and I just said, hey, Ben. Well, he stopped, and his entourage stopped, and they backed up and bumped into each other. And I thought up to myself, oh, my gosh, what have I done? Because people started crowding around because he stopped to talk to me. So everybody's crowding around and, and listening to this conversation. And I said, I played golf with you. And he's like, really? I think I, I, think I would have remembered that. And I thought, yeah, that. <laughs> it was just two or, three, two or three years before. But anyway, so I just said, um, no, no, really, I have. I played golf. It was here at Hilton Head. You were with your dad, and you had just graduated over graduating from Texas. I was with my dad, and I played awful, and you played great. And I was trying to help him with his memory. And so he said, no, I think I, I, think I would have. And, and then he said, are you sure it wasn't Tom Kite? Well, now, Tom Kite was also from the University of Texas, and he, they used to get him confused, the announcers would get him confused. Now, they looked nothing alike. Ben was cute, Tom wasn't. <laughs> but the thing is, is that they would they'd get him confused on the golf course because they look well, they were the same age, and they came from Texas. Yeah, I don't know what caused that. But anyway, he said, are you sure it wasn't Tom Kite? Which meant, you know, he was thinking I was making this up, and I was not making it up. So I thought, I've got to say something to make him know that I, I'm – what I'm telling him is the truth. So I said, no, no, it wasn't time, God. It was you. I and he said, I should have remembered it. I would have remembered. And I said, well, you, it wasn't time, Kite, because you were fat then. <laughs> and then <laughs> it got quiet. <laughs> and then his entourage starts to snicker, you know, because they don't know if they should or not remember. That's why they're called entourages, right? They're following them around. So they stop. They start just to giggle and snicker behind his back. And then he looked at me. Yeah, I was. <laughs> That's all he said. I said, you were fat then. And he said, yeah, I was. And I thought, there, you know. See, I told you I played golf with you. I knew who you were. I knew who you, you know, you're different now. But anyway, that was that story. So I, I ratted that out. That is funny. That is funny. That was so. That was that story. But you know, I played golf with Ben Crenshaw, and he didn't remember it. And I told him like it was, so he would. <laughs> now it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty. Well, but hey, he asked for it. He asked. He he was gonna call you out as a storyteller, and no, he wasn't. <laughs> no, he. Oh, I was gonna win that one, and I guess that's what only children try to do. They try to win, and so I was gonna make sure he knew who I was after that. <laughs> Now, now, one. Let me, now, I've got lots more like that. And, uh, now, let me let me ask you when you when you said that when you got through telling him that did you say and bless your heart? I should have, you know, I really <laughs> should have because you know he was stupefied and he, you know the, like deer and headlights and just and just said yeah I was and I thought well that's right now see I told you I was right. Ladies, you need to trust me. You gotta understand when 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 Southern women get together, and whether it's on a radio show, whether it's in person, whether it's on telephone calls in a restaurant, it doesn't matter. It's it's no holds barred, and we have our own language and our own oh. And, you know, and we're proud of them. That's the thing. We're real proud of those insults. I mean, it's kind yes. of like we just slap them silly and say, uh-uh, <laughs> you're not doing that to me. Uh-uh, I'm right. You're wrong. And and the thing is, Jill, we, we do it with a smile on our face and a twinkle in our eye, and they don't know if they've been insulted or complimented or just knocked right out of their shoes. <laughs> well, I just wanted him to think I was smart. <laughs> That you know that I remember those things. I, I'm I'm in the details, fatty. <laughs> and you remember the important things. Oh, that's right. The important things because I kept thinking. Now I played with him. Why did he not impress me like he does now? Wow, look at him now. What a hot. 
and he's a hottie. And so then I realized, oh, no, that's why he was fat. Boom. It was like the <laughs> Pillsbury Doughboy. <laughs> now, this so story, of course, is, this story is in your book, right? It is. And, it, and I want you to know that everything in the book is true, and they're all that outrageous. I'm telling it all now. I'm saying this is why it's called Cockamania Memoirs because, I mean, who, <laughs> who, who does this? Southern women. <laughs> Southern women. That's right, Southern women. Because we can't uh-huh. help ourselves. We can't. We can't help ourselves. And I think a lot of the South coming from, and my guess is, you know, the Appalachians and, and uh, the, the Scotch-Irish and how they were storytellers uh-huh. and, and funny, you know, too. But I think that's where we get some of that. Do you think? I know you're from oh, Georgia. Absolutely. Were, were your parents born and raised there? Yeah, they were born and raised in Rome, Georgia. Now, you don't get much um, cockamamie than Rome, Georgia, because uh-huh. they, their their ancestors came out of Tennessee and yeah, their that, Scotch that Appalachia. Uh huh. That uh-huh. Appalachia. Right. And, and mm-hmm. they just called it like it was, they didn't care. Uh-huh. Or embellish it even a little more. Now, what I mean by that is, let's think Mark Twain, okay? Because his, okay. You know, his stories were, um, I'm sure there's something that he saw that he just embellished a little bit. And 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 we just use words to embellish. We don't really tell the story any differently. I mean, what I mean is, is that we just enhance it. <laughs> we mm-hmm. give it some syrup and <laughs> sweet to it. And you don't know where you're going. You think you think you're going to be a, you think you know the thing is you want to be on my good side. <laughs> you know, I might just tell another story. Well, I've I've had grown men tell me, Vine, I don't ever want to get on your bad side. Right. Just, right. We remember too much, like the elephant that never forgets. Yes, and, and and we know how to for lack of a better phrase Rip people, rip, rip people to shreds just oh. with words, and do it in uh-huh. such a way that after we've told them to go straight to hell, they're asking for directions. That's a good one. Now that's a really good one. That's right. We know how to work it. We'll use words that they say against them later. Yeah. I'm sorry, you said so and so. I'm only going by what you said. You told me blah blah blah, and I and I'm you know just repeating back to you verbatim what you said. what you told me. Uh huh. Bless your heart. Right. Literally, literally, not figuratively. They might have meant it figuratively, but we're like taking it literally, and I'm coming back to get you on that. Exactly, and they don't. People don't understand us because most of the time we're very soft spoken. We're very amiable. We're pretty easy to get along with. And we can be oh, that's mad just as lazy. Facade. <laughs> <laughs> that's because we were raised that way. And then we yes, have ma'am. yes, we do have those personalities and that those moments. We know how we're supposed to be and we can be and we want to be. But mm-hmm. I tell you, somebody say the wrong word about your children or whatever else and I'm coming for you. I'm gunning you down. Oh, and and your world will never be the same. That's right. That's right. I'm not going to forget about that. I was the other day at Bridge, and somebody shushed me. Shushed oh, no, me. they didn't. They did not. <laughs> oh, yes, they oh. did. They did, because the woman couldn't concentrate with making her bid, while the other, there were four of us, as you know, so um, two two of us, myself and another lady, we were having a little private conversation while the lady was trying to decide on what her bid was going to be. <laughs> somebody shushed me, because they were, <laughs> they thought we were talking too loud. <laughs> And it was a oh. social bridge. Fire come out of your eyes and the skin split from your skull? No, I shushed. And guess what? I'm not one to shush. So I didn't speak for the rest of the day. And that was <laughs> and that alone. That, uh-huh. that's, a, that's a sign. When, mm-hmm. when I get, I'm like you. When I get quiet and I just look at you and smile, Somebody's in trouble, and my kids are saying, exactly. "Uh oh, I hope it's not us." Uh huh. Mhm. Right. Well, but and like I said, I was I was polite. I was, you know, um, civil. Girl, not girly with my trust. Oh, civil. I, you know, didn't say anything else after that. I certainly didn't try to talk while the woman was good. <laughs> I just said, "Oh, is that the way you want to play this game?" Okay. Let's play it. <laughs> 
I got an apology though. She knew, so it all worked out. Uh, well, see, and and people that understand us know when they stepped in it up to their necks. <laughs> so you were raised in Rome, but then ended up below uh, Atlanta. So, no, um, no, I was I was I was born in I was born in Atlanta, and I was raised in East Point. My parents moved to Atlanta after they got married, but they were born and raised in Rome. Oh, I see. But I lived, uh-huh. I, I, went, I lived in East Point all my life up until uh-huh. I moved up to the country. And, and what's so funny is the county that I moved to is one of the counties that some of my ancestors lived in because my grandmother, my mother's mother, was from Stevens and Franklin County. And, of course, Jackson County is just right over the right. the right. Bridge, I know where is. Sure. Well, they all milled around in there. So when I moved to Jackson County, Mama said that your memo used to get on off the train in Jackson County to to go up to see your daddy up in Stevens County. Now see, like, look at us. We're still talking about those kind of. I mean, here you are telling your family stories, but that's what I think Southerners do too. We, you know, we we can't get rid of them. We we want to uh-uh. share them and tell them and. Mm-hmm. And it brings and, and connections. Uh, you know, we'll find does. out later when you're my fifth cousin, you know, twice removed, that sort of thing. And, and when you're family, family, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter how, how far down the line you are. You're, when you're family, you're family. Mm-hmm. And, and right. if, you were to come to, if you were to come to my house, you would be like family because the door would be open. You'd get the best of everything. Oh, a friend of mine. He made the mistake. We were having a, 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 a planning meeting here at the house, and I, I fed him breakfast, and I didn't just feed him McDonald's. I cooked sausage and bacon and mm-hmm. eggs and homemade biscuits and gravy and the whole nine yards. And he goes to get his plate, and my girlfriend, who was also raised Southern, and I were standing by the refrigerator, and he turns to me, and I hope you're sitting down for this, Jill, I mean, Lee, he says, don't you have paper plates? Oh, my goodness. Yes, he did. So that, so that was a bless your heart moment. Oh, it was a bless your heart. I thought my girlfriend was going to wet her pants. She said, Victor, you just did not do that. He said, what? She said, you're in the home of a Southern woman who is giving you the best of everything, including uh-huh. her dinnerware, and you want to eat out of a paper plate. You know what I thought you were going to say? What's the kill white stuff on the stove? <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't going to appreciate your grits. And, oh, we had grits too. Were no. Yeah, he ate he, them, though? Yeah, but he wanted to know why I wasn't. I said, we don't use paper plates in this house. I taught wow. those suckers when I first got down here. Even when my children come, we eat out of plates. And yeah, he said, I well, I just, put out the, uh-huh. he said, well, I just wanted it to be easy on you so you didn't have to wash dishes. I said, excuse me? I've been washing dishes all yeah. my life. It's nothing for me. And I put out my silver every Easter and Christmas and any other time that we have anything because I want those boys to remember that we did it right for special exactly. occasions like that and um, and have those memories. It's all about the memories. It's all about mm-hmm. leaving a legacy and some kind of story behind that Mama always – because, I mean, now I've inherited – well, I mean, I started – now, get this. This is a Southern thing, too. Now, I graduated from high school in 1971. And you know what kind of graduation gifts I got from in 1971? Women in my hometown, small town, were giving away for me for graduation gifts pieces of my silver pattern. I had to choose a silver pattern by the time I was uh-huh. 18 so they could uh-huh. get presents for grad, high school graduation. They thought, you're only going off to college to get the MRS degree, so we might as well right. go ahead and get you started. <laughs> so my mother then had her silver and then my in-law mother, she had her silver. I've got three sets of humongous silvers. And, you know, oh that's another thing. Those boys, are, I don't know what they're going to do with that. They just might figure that out. Oh, like like you, mother, um, 
put out her good china and her good silver and her good crystal. Mm-hmm. And even the babies were given the little plates to eat out of because she said if you don't teach them, then they will never learn. I had the junior set of the silverware. That's right. Me too. Everything was the junior. It was all junior, yep. junior, but it was the same. Mm-hmm. Sure. And was. you're not going to believe this, my darling new friend, but we're out of time. Well, this has been a very fast hour. Doesn't everybody say that? <laughs> yeah. So before we completely run out of time, uh, will you do two things? Will you come back? Of course. I'd love to come back. This has been fun. I mean, we have, you're right. It's like talking old girlfriends. Uh-huh. <laughs> it, it's really a lot like of fun. We've like known each other. Well, we like, well, you know what? We're going to find out next time we talk that we do, uh, we are related, that we do know each other. <laughs> probably. Mm-hmm. And will you tell the folks where you and your wonderful books can be found? Ladies and gentlemen, you will absolutely love this. She is a female Louis Grizzard. If you remember Louis Grizzard, you he was hysterical. She is too. So tell the folks where you can be found and where your books can be found. All right. And here's a little ditty here too. Lewis started his career at the Noon and Time Herald, and I write for them. That's my newspaper that I write for here in this town that I now live. So I, I can say I'm writing for the newspaper that Lewis Bazaar wrote for. Um, Absolutely. I can be found on Amazon. And yes, it's Lee St. John, and I have a website, LeeStJohnAuthor.com. And don't put that period after Saint because that's going to get it all confusing. It's after, um, you know, it's before .com, so use your dot there. And, uh, of course, Facebook, I'm on Lee St. John author at Facebook. And, but my books are found on Amazon, and I have the two, the two books that are, you know, one about family living and the, the funnies and the craziness and stuff that I did. And then the other is teacher stories, all true. They're not politically correct, but they are all true. <laughs> and it's about things that happened in the classroom. And I say it's for teachers, but not necessarily. It can be anybody that's ever walked into a classroom and been in one. I mean, it's from kindergarten through college, stories that are true and outrageous and tell-all. As they should be from a Southern woman. Absolutely. Right. Now, don't hang up when the show goes dark because I want to reiterate some things to you. But I do want to thank you, Lee, for coming on tonight and for agreeing to come back after the first of the year because I've had a ball. I, I really enjoyed tonight. This hour's flown by even for me, as it is prone to good. do. So, ladies I love and when people laugh, so I'm, I was really glad to hear you laughing on the other end. <laughs> thank you, my darling. So, ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow night we will have Dirt River Band with us. Uh, Dirt River Sunset, I think they're called. They are an interesting, interesting band. It's the first time they've been on the show. I can't wait to interview them. We will be playing their music and talking to them for an hour. Then we will be off. I, I may have a show next Saturday night. I am not sure. If not, we will be off until after the first of the year because, you know, it's that time of year where people are, are busy with the silly season and New Year's Eve and traveling and and all the stuff that we do during this time of year. And with that being said, if you are traveling, please be careful, be safe, and get to your destination and back home safely. There's two things I say at the end of this show. One is we are all on a journey, and especially this time of year. This is a horrible, horrible time of year for people in retail. They're working themselves to death. They're working long hours. They're very tired. And things that happen is not their fault. So when you're in front of a salesperson, a sales clerk, a sales manager, a district manager, I don't care who it is, please be kind to them because they are there for you. They are providing a service for you. So please be kind to them. Smile at them. Commiserate with them. And also, if you want to achieve greatness, Please stop asking permission. Teach your children they don't have to ask permission to be great. You all are already great. Teach your children that they are already great. They just have to go out and do great things. And no, I'm not talking about being the next president or the next rocket scientist. Great things can happen every day just by doing something kind for someone else. So with that being said, I want to wish you all a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. May you all, if you're traveling, be safe and join us again tomorrow night, which will be the probably the last show for this year. 
and continue to support this show. This is your house with my guest, author Lee St. John, saying good evening. Okay, we are we are now off the show, but what we should okay. archive will come up in the archives part of the show. But I did want to reiterate that when when we get off from here, uh, and it archives, I'll put the link on my page. I'll tag you in it, and then you can put it everywhere on all your social media on your website. Let everybody know so they can listen to it. And then tomorrow I'll put it up on all the other sites, and I will post those and tag you in those as well. And then I okay. I would like to book you again February, March see what you're up to, continue this conversation, maybe get you to read some of your excerpts from your books because they've got to be hysterical Well, I forgot to tell you I do a southern accent for Lee St. John and I'm sure that's (laughs) probably three for a loop, but I thought she'll figure that out. Absolutely Persona, um, I went to the Irma Bombeck conference back in April and told them that I, I was in a workshop about stand-up comedy and um, with Wendy Liebman. Do you know who Wendy Liebman is? She's a Mm-mm. comic stand-up comedian. But anyway, so she was one of the workshop leaders. And as I was telling her that I can imitate accents and dialects, she said, do it. So I, I have a British accent that I do and a Cockney accent and a French accent and my Southern Georgia accent. And she said, you've got to do that one. And I thought, well, I don't know. And she's you know, right. I, well, my, I thought my Southern friends would be, you know, think I'm making fun of them or sick of it. No. After hearing no, no, it for no. a while. Okay. No, 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 no. So no, 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 usually no, no, I'll no. start off with this voice, and um, then I tell a story that has to do with those accents, and then from that point on I tell the Irma story, and then because when I do speaking engagements, and then I tell, then I start into the Southern accent and tell all my stories. And Absolutely, and because that that only in enhances the Southern culture because I thought I had lost my accent when I got down here and stayed down here a while and people pick it out all the time. Uh And if I, if I really want to um, make a point, I can get real Southern. I mean, I can draw Uh some more. I Uh I can get real hicky when I want to. (laughs) You can make, you can make two or three syllables out of one word. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. But I love it. it. I had so much fun. Thank you, Lee. It, it was hysterical. Thank you, for, thank you for having me. I I love doing stuff like this. and want to talk to you more about it. And we are, are moving into a new house next week. That is true. And, Bless uh, your heart. I'm, I'm a little crazy um, at the moment, but we will be back in, on track when we – we're leaving Saturday to go to the beach. We're going to um, Destin for – because – the house we're moving into is old and it's 1929 and we mm. are trying to upgrade the kitchen uh, as it should be. So um, they're doing all that while we're gone. Thank goodness. And then we'll be having the movers next week and, you know, be in there with or without that finished kitchen. But um, that's why we're kind of going out of town to just get away. And then the movers will be here when we get back. So um, I'll, be, I'll be all set, you know, as the year turns into 2019 so yes I'd love to come back and and yes I want to um, I'm going to send you my phone numbers the house phone and the um, and my cell phone because if if you're serious about starting up your own show it's so it's so simple good (laughs) this this is this board is simple great and I have a son that's a – oh, so, yeah, that's right. You're talking about radio broadcasting, right? Uh-huh. I have a son that's uh-huh. um, an IT major, and my other son did attend um, um, broadcasting school for like a, a year. He, you know, he may know something still. I don't know. We'll figure that out. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll have be my board manager. Because I mean, it's, it's really easy to set up, and it's real easy to run. Because all it, it's all done via computer. Now, what I do is I use a headset and a microphone. You can use your telephone, uh-huh. but I use a headset and a microphone because I talk with my hands whether somebody's in front of me or not. Uh huh. And, it, and it's kind of hard to talk with your hands when you're holding a telephone. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> That's right. Well, you've been a doll, and I do appreciate you having me as a guest, and I would love to come anytime you invite me, and um, anything I can do to help to promote, you know, the program, too, I'll do that on my end. All right, darling, and I'll get you set up for, for after the – I'll give you time to get in your house and get your get your sea legs back, and um, we'll yeah. get you back on real quick because it's going to take you a minute yeah. to get settled. Yeah, and that's why I was telling you that because, you know, I will feel a little, you know, out of it um, because it's all happening at once. So, yeah. Right. We'll we'll connect and, and work again. Thank you. All right, honey. Talk to you later. And take care. I know I've been keeping up with you. Um, I know about your painting, and I know about your husband, and um, I, I wish you, you um, well this first holiday without him. I'm sorry. Thank you, sweetheart. I appreciate that. Just keep me in your prayers, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart, because there's good days and bad mm-hmm. days. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. All right. Thank you again, and good night. All right. Good night, honey. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.